We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Field of 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68. After that. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I am joined tonight by Wake Forest legend Randolph Childress, who is here sweating out whether or not his Demon Deacons are going to find a way to avoid blowing and ruining that win that they got at Duke on Saturday evening. And I'm also joined by another legend of the ACC who is no longer the record scorer. In Dean Dome in one in the Dean Dome in one game. Uh, that is Tyler Hansborough. He couldn't hit 42 points uh, the way that RJ Davis did. So, Tyler, let me ask you this. Before we get started, before we talk about Reed Shepard, before we talk about Kansas losing to BYU at home, before we talk about anything else, do you have an official statement on the matter? RJ Davis is a better scorer than you. <laughs> hey, I I we needed every point that he put up last night. I mean, uh, you know, it, I've, I've honestly, I'm just excited for RJ. I, I think uh, he's played unbelievable this year. I know he's put a lot of work in. And also, I think he's a really good example for kids uh, who actually don't have the season they want the year prior and stay at school, the same school, not enter the portal, and actually work on his game. And it really worked out for him. So, uh, you know, he's a hard worker and he deserves it. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of RJ. I'm happy for him. Yeah, we uh, I had him as a first-team All-American last night. I would still have him as a first-team All-American today. But there is another guard that uh, is kind of pushing towards that level a little bit, as crazy as it sounds. Reed Shepard tonight. 32 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 11 for 14 from the floor in 35 minutes as Kentucky erased a 13-point second-half deficit at Mississippi State with a come-from-behind 91-89 win. Reed Shepard had the game winner at the buzzer, as it sounds. Well, it wasn't quite at the buzzer. It was 0.5 seconds left on the clock. Uh, just an unbelievable all-around performance where he more or less willed Kentucky to a road win over a tournament-bound Mississippi State team. Randolph, what do you make of Reed Shepard's performance? What do you make of Kentucky? Is there anything that this Kentucky team cannot do at this point this season? Listen, I, it, I, I thought it was a hell of a performance tonight. I mean, getting a road win this late in the year, uh, and, and let's be honest, Mississippi State brought it tonight. You know, they, they did everything they could to win, and and just Reed Shepard was just the best player on the floor tonight. I hate to say it. I know Josh, uh, you know, Hubert, Hubert's uh, performance was incredibly at 34. But when they needed plays, man, he just put them on their back tonight. And this team is it's what we talk about all year long. They have so much talent, so many different guys that can hurt you. And tonight it was Reed Shepard's night, and he delivered. So I, I thought – it was a big test for them. If they had lost, I wouldn't have thought anything different from them. I thought it was going to be a tough environment for them to win, but it shows that maybe, you know, Kentucky's figuring this thing out as they get ready for the conference tournament. Yeah, Tyler, when when you see Kentucky make this run and you see them rely on a guy like Reed Shepard, like what is how, how do you view this team when you see guys like this able to put together before? Like I say, he's not the only guy we've seen take over a game and win a game for them with big runs like this in the second half. Yeah, and uh, 
they have multiple weapons. Obviously, they have very talented guys, but you know, Rob Dillian, he has the capability of taking over a game and scoring and making big shots. Uh, but tonight was an unbelievable performance from Reed Shepard. I thought he really played smart basketball. And also, he made uh, defensive plays the block late in the second uh, half uh, from the corner three. I thought that was an unbelievable play. He played winning basketball. He did everything for Kentucky. And uh, like you said, he was the reason that they won. And also, I, I think this says a lot for Kentucky, especially for a younger team, uh, to go at Mississippi State uh, in the hump, which is a tough environment to play at, and actually come out for a win. I know Mississippi State was looking for a uh, you know, kind of one of those better wins to help build a resume. But Reed Shepard is really developing, and he's he's becoming one of those guys you can really rely, rely on uh, to get you a bucket. Yeah, it always is funny to me when people call it the hump. It just – it's every time you say it, it makes me laugh. Maybe that's because I have the sense of humor of a 12-year-old child. Um, Randolph, <laughs> I, I was having this argument with someone earlier, right? We saw – what R.J. Davis did last night. We've seen Jamal Shedd completely take over basketball games. We know how good Zach Eady is this year. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I don't know if there are 15 players in college basketball that if I'm starting a team from scratch that I would take over Reed Shepard. I know that there are some uh, some flaws defensively. He gets a little bit lost when it comes to health side, but between the effort, the IQ offensively, the things that he's able to do, I, I don't know if there's 15 players that I would take over him. I think he is that good. I won't go that far. I, I think he's good. I, I think he's really good. I won't. I wouldn't push back on it tonight. You sound like the people that were coming at uh, the Tar Heel fans that were saying R.J. Davis is the national player of the year after dropping 42. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, listen, I, I think it was a hell of a performance. I, I do think he's high IQ offensively. There's, there's no flaws in his game on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, but before I say, if we're just going to say offensively, probably talent, then I, I I can see him rating him that high, but you know you got to play on the other end, and he's a freshman, and there's things he's going to obviously improve on. But he's been tonight was was he was on display, showing everything, making plays defensively, um, you know, just high IQ plays, assists, scoring when he needed. He just made plays, you know, defensively and offensively for this team tonight. So credit to him, credit to Kyle. Randolph. Is he better than his so dad? Is he better than his dad? I'm gonna give him that. Yeah, yeah. He's better than his dad. He's better than his dad. I'm gonna give him that. He's he's better than dad. Dad gotta bow down now. You gotta know when to leave him alone and say, Yeah, he got me. I think dad acknowledges now he got me. Yeah. The here's here's my take on Kentucky. And like we we've talked so much about them on the defensive end of the floor. And I want both of you guys' opinion on this. And and, and Tyler, I'll go to you first on this one. I don't think that they're ever going to be a great defensive team, right? I don't think that they need to be a great defensive team for 40 minutes with what they can do offensively. And tonight, I thought they were terrible on the defensive end for uh, for the first probably 25 minutes of this game. They were a mess in the first half, and they gave up seven points in like the first two minutes of the second half before Cal called that timeout and kind of got things settled, right? And then they had a stretch there of about probably about a 15-minute window in the middle of the second half where Mississippi State just couldn't get anything going. And I think that that's all Kentucky needs, right? They need to lock in for a 10-minute stretch. They need to find a way to be able to get stops for about 10 minutes, and then you're just not going to be able to keep pace with them because they're putting up 90 on you. It, Tyler, you were – I mean, we, we've talked about this before. You were on the – I'm doing air quotes here – the worst defensive team to win a national title um, in the Ken Palm era. Is that – does that make sense? Is that something that we can that, – that like am I even making sense when I kind of make that point? Well, Kim Palm never makes sense to me, and I don't think ever will. And uh, also, Kim Palm never gives the the ACC the credit it deserves. But uh, I will say that this – I disagree with you, and I think this team needs to buy in defensively because they have weapons to be a good defensive team. And the, real, the only reason that they're not going to be uh, a good defensive team is if they don't want to make that commitment. And uh, – to me, I think that's what could really put them in contention for winning a you know, national championship and making a deep tournament run is if they want to commit defensively. They have the tools to score, uh, but also they have the talent and the length and the athleticism to be a very good defensive team. So uh, I, I think they've got to buy in because sometimes in the NCAA tournament, things can go a little south, guys aren't hitting shots, and you've got to have uh, a good defensive foundation to really make a tournament run. Yeah, you can't just win one way. Go ahead, Randolph. 
No, I agree. I, I thought there was a couple of times on that middle ball screen just gave him trouble. And you can tell the bigs were so worried, which was surprising. They were worried about the big and not just stopping the ball. And you can't have a guard just turn a corner and go right down the lane. And, and uh, But credit to those guys. When they when they got down and needed to make plays, they made plays. And I think it's just an attention to detail focus thing when you got so many young guys. And, and, and if they dial in and they've shown they can do it. And credit to them, man. When, when they needed to dig in and, and, and get stops tonight, they did. So – uh, that was not an easy game for them. I, I, I would, like I said, I thought, I thought there was a chance they can get run out of the building at one point, and then they started making stops and making plays, and and then Reed, you know, offensively, just he just carried them and took them home. Yeah, it was seventeen forty left in the first half. They were down fifty two to thirty nine, and with a minute left in the game, uh, they were up um, eighty three to seventy five. They went on a forty four to twenty three uh, surge. Um, over that stretch. You know what else is really impressive about this group, Tyler, is that um, it feels like every couple of games we come up with this idea that, like, this is the lineup that they need to use. This is the guy that they need to use. This is the player that they need to use, right? Sometimes it's Dillingham. Sometimes it's Reed Shepard. Like, we've seen it with their guards. We know that they have four guards that can win them a game in the backcourt. Um, After the Auburn game, I was – I mean, it was Agneso, right? Like, he was the guy that played 36 minutes. He was the defensive mm-hmm. anchor. He looked really good in ball screen defense. He looked like he had kind of figured it out. He played 12 minutes tonight. Some of that was foul trouble. But Big Z, coming off an 18-point performance in the win over Alabama, finished with uh, – what did he have off the bench tonight? He had two points, four boards, three blocks, uh, missed a couple threes, but he was a presence out there. He was the best of the big guys that they had available to him. What does that say about this group that they have – it's not just like – one guy that they're relying on, right? They can win with all of these different, all these different ways, all these different lineups, all these different guys in different positions. Well, I mean, they're talented and uh, Cal does. I mean, he recruits well and uh, a lot of coaches would love to have that talent and that option. Uh, But I thought what Big Z did tonight is uh, I think he, uh, his length, uh, you know, was a, was an issue for uh, Smith, uh, Tulum Smith late in the game, and I thought he did a good job defensively on him, uh, which he is one of the better better bigs in the SEC. There uh, it is. Mississippi State. There but, it is. You got to shout out your uh, big guys, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Smith. I think he's a good player. But I, I felt like Mississippi State, I didn't think they executed late in the game, and I thought uh, that could have been uh, a little bit of Kentucky's uh, defense, but – uh, I thought Big Z got in there. His length provided some problems for them. Uh, it's not necessarily that he was doing it offensively, but defensively he was kind of getting after it. Yeah, Randolph, you've coached. How valuable I, is it to I, have I was, different guys? I was shocked. It, it, it is, and I think that's what makes them so dangerous because they can they can mix and match and, and put any different combination or style together um, to create problems. I, I, I thought – I was shocked. Maybe the length of those bigs bothered Smith inside. I thought they, I thought he had something going, and I didn't think he got the ball mm-hmm. enough for Mississippi State. I just, it just felt like they stopped going to him. Now I don't know. Maybe they felt as though the length of Kentucky would 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 challenge him. But hell, he was efficient from the floor. I thought there was times he was just so he looked like a grown man physically. He was moving guys around. Um, I was shocked to see that he didn't get more touches you know, there as uh, Kentucky was making their run. Yeah, you were making a point there before I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. We can move. So, yeah, you're you're right about the Tolu Smith thing. I'm, I'm curious now. Let's let's just kind of turn this a little bit on Mississippi State. Like, how how good that can this team be, Randolph? The one concern that I have with them is, is they are not a great three-point shooting team, and it took an 11 for 25 three-point shooting night to get them to, to stay with and hang with Kentucky here do they have any kind of upside like we know how good the SEC is at the top yeah I I don't think they're going to necessarily make a run but I do think they expect if you put up 89 points you got to win and for them with their style of pace and the way they want to play I think that's the biggest difference I thought they got sometimes when you feed off a crowd and when you're at home you start rushing and taking shots quicker than you usually you know you want to or your coaching staff wants you to do I thought that was the case tonight and obviously with Hubbard getting so hot and he he started knocking down shots. They just started, you know, shaking, taking quicker shots on the shot clock. I think they didn't let the bigs touch it enough, and I think they paid for it in the end. 
Yeah, Tyler, that's the thing to me that stands out so much about this performance for Kentucky is that this Mississippi State team is a, uh, it's a team that they are kind of built around being able to control tempo, to defend, to run people off the three-point line, and everything that they do well kind of matches up with what Kentucky does well, and Kentucky just did it better. Right? It's not often that you see playing at home against a bunch of veterans with a bunch of freshmen that the freshmen end up winning when it's strength on strength. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing that was kind of odd to me about this game was Kentucky, as young as they were, uh, they made plays down the stretch uh, to really win them mm-hmm. this game. And, uh, yeah, and also you got to realize that Kentucky was playing from behind from for a little bit or, or a majority of this game. Uh, so it says a lot about them. But, uh, yeah, Mississippi State didn't really execute and, and had a lot of careless shots and turnovers. Yeah, Randolph, we got about 15 seconds here. We know how you feel about Notre Dame football. How do you feel about Notre Dame basketball right now? Hey, man, don't talk to me right now. I don't have my bottle of scotch in front of me right now because I take it straight from the <laughs> bottle right now. Straight from the bottle. I'm sick right now. I don't even want to talk about it. Let's go Saturday to break. Saturday night man. was a happy scotch. Tonight is a sad scotch. Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, not great. Listen, when we come back, BYU, first trip ever into the fog. They beat Kansas. We're talking about that coming up next. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doss, Randolph Childress, Tyler Hansborough. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. We are streaming over on the Stadium app as well as on YouTube. Jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We are going to be answering them in last call uh, later on. Wake Forest just lost at Notre Dame. It is a heartbreaker. It is a really bad loss for their tournament resume. We're going to get to that in a second. Because one team tonight, Randolph, that was able to go on the road and pick up a win. BYU. Goes into Fog Allen Fieldhouse for the first time as a member of the Big 12, and they beat Kansas 76-68. You got 18 points from Dallin Hall. You got 18 points from Jackson Robinson off the bench. Are we? Is it time to start taking BYU for real, Randolph? Is it time for us to kind of say, hey, you know what? Maybe the metrics are right about this team. 
I don't think we ever took them for granted. I just don't think we ever thought they were, you know, we were never sure how good they were. I, I think that would be the best way to describe them. We were never sure how good they were. And and it's I don't want to take away from the win tonight, you know, because still, you know, we're talking about Kevin McCullough still being out for, for Kansas, and we just can't pretend that that's not a major piece. But the metrics, it doesn't matter. It's a road win. No one cares. It didn't matter for teams that lost in early November, December. So credit to the Cougars. Um, hell of a win. I mean, it really is going on the road. That's not an easy place to play no matter who 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 goes out on the floor. And not many teams are going there to win. Um, neither team played pretty offensively, but BYU did what they did. They made shots. They made threes. If they didn't make anything else, they made threes. Um, and that's what they, you know, credit to those guys for uh, for getting it done. Yep. All right. We are now going to be joined by uh, BYU head coach Mark Pope, fresh off of winning in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Coach Pope, Rob Dawson here. I got Tyler Hansborough. I got Randolph Childress. How you doing, man? How you feeling in the fog? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. I'm a huge fan of both these incredible players, man. Uh, so it's an honor to be on with you guys. A huge fan. Randolph knows, and uh, but both you guys, what incredible careers! Wow. Well, I'm glad that you uh, you're a fan of me too. I'm just going to assume that I got lumped into that conversation. No, no, well, Coach Bob. Let's... Bob, you know I just love you, man. <laughs> let, so, you guys, let, let's let's talk about Bob, the game. I don't right? know. You guys I, not... I don't know about your game. I'm excited to see what your rec game is like. It's uh, let's just say I would have fit in well on your team where uh, I didn't really have. If you didn't need someone to shoot threes and not play defense, I'm your guy. I got you covered. Shoot them up, sleep in the streets, Coach. Uh, let's let's it. talk about this game because you guys were down. Uh, down in the second half at Kansas in Fog Allen, first time as a member of the Big 12 there, and you find a way to come back to win. What what were those conversations like in the huddle when you're kind of telling your team, look, keep going, keep shooting, we're right here, we got a chance to win this thing? Yeah, you know, um, I was I was really proud of our guys' composure. In fact, uh, you know, at one point with six, or six minutes or so left, I got a tee, and it was during a timeout, and going back to the huddle, I was I – was, I was collecting my thoughts. I'm like, okay, I got to find a way to get my guys back focused and, and back organized and believing. And I sat down in the huddle and the guys were like completely composed. And um, I, I'm really blessed guys to coach a group of, uh, group of kids uh, of young men that are um, pretty dedicated to each other and um, that have the ability to really kind of focus in on what they're doing. And we've been through a lot. Like this league is a gauntlet and it chews you up and uh, it was just a good moment for us where I was, I, I sat down I'm like, oh man, my guys are really, they're really dialed in and we're going to be fine. And so I, I think you have to have that to have, come on, this is one of the meccas of college basketball. And I don't think, you know, nobody wins here. And so I was really proud of our guys to kind of hang in there and make plays down the stretch. So you just tell your guys, it's easy. We just do this all the time. We go into Kansas, no problem, <laughs> no, no big deal. You, you, you take care of business there. It's, not, it's easy for you guys, huh? No, it's just it's just it's just relying on each other, and every team's fighting for the same thing. Randolph, we don't have any genius yeah. going here, but but um, our guys' ability to do that tonight to just stay dialed into each other and kind of put all the other stuff out, we were successful at doing that tonight, and hopefully that'll bode well for us moving forward. On a serious note, Coach, what's your message been to your group? You know, the metrics loved you guys, and then as you got to the tournament, you got to your conference play now. As you know, it's a gauntlet. What's the message you continue to preach to your players as you get ready for conference tournament play? We're, we're trying to be in the moment uh, that allows us to perform. Uh, you know, I'll give you an, I'll give you a great example. So we do a shooting drill every day uh, at the start of practice, and it's a two-minute shooting drill. And like five times out of ten, our score will be awful after the first minute of shooting, and then we'll light it up the second minute of shooting, and we'll achieve our goal. And after we do that, every single time we talk to the guys about like, hey, guys, this is how we play and this is how it works. And we actually had that conversation in the locker room today um, at halftime just about, you know, we hadn't made shots and we, we this is how we play and we believe we will. And um, and you saw some guys step up and make shots late. Uh, you know, more importantly, you saw guys like Noah Waterman come up with massive defensive rebounds. Our communication on the defensive end was elite uh, down the stretch in the moment. Um, and so, it, you know, it's just – it's just kind of the repetition every day. It's, it's, it's nothing magic about it. It's just the guys believe in each other. And we have guys that do. Coach, uh, congrats on your win tonight. Um, first of all, 
do you think this gives your team more confidence uh, late in the season to kind of build off this and then go go anywhere and get a dub? Well, I, I, I'm, you know, we lost three on the road in a row. Um, we've been playing better basketball. We're actually in a pretty good stretch overall. Uh, but, I, you know, listen, this is our first year in this league, and, and we walked in this league massively humble. Um, this, this, this thing's ridiculous right now, this gauntlet. And, and so I think, I think our guys are growing in confidence that we can go to venues and win. But more importantly, I think our guys are growing in their confidence in each other, their belief to each other, and their, their desire to kind of support each other. Tyler, I know in your runs you must have felt that on your team, right, that guys – just had some deep sense of just believing each other. It was easy for them because all the guys could just believe in you, right? And you would deliver. But um, when you when you feel that, uh, you feel it growing, it makes you feel like you have a chance. And certainly our guys' belief in each other continues to grow. Absolutely. Coach, we got a, we got a running joke on here about how Tyler Hansborough's favorite player on every team is the big guy on that team. My favorite player on your team is Ali Khalifa. And I just, I love his passing ability. I love the fact that he is, uh, let's just call him not really a layup line scout. Uh, me and him might have uh, the, the same vertical at this point. Talk to me about what he is as a weapon for you at the five, what he is as a weapon in your offense, because he's just a perfect fit. Yeah, you know, Ali is. Uh... First of all, I'll tell you guys this, and this is not going to surprise you. He's actually a better human being than he's a basketball player. He's a special, special young man. And I've never had a player on my team that opened up as much new offense for our team as Ollie Khalifa does. He adds 30% to our offense, just in simple cuts. And his effect, guys, one of the brilliant things about Ollie – you know, we, we work every year so hard on teaching our guys and convincing our guys to cut hard and how to cut and where to cut and when to cut and how to feel it, right? And then Ollie comes on campus, and all of a sudden, all my conversations trying to convince guys to cut are gone because he's diming everybody up. They're finishing every cut. They're cutting so hard every time because he makes the results so positive. He has had an like there's no words to say how much of an impact he's had on our program. He's really changed us. Yeah, well, listen, Coach, uh, I'm going to let you get out of here. I know you got a long flight home. I know you want to go celebrate with your team. We appreciate you being here. Congratulations on the win. Want to know in the fall. Good luck next year. <laughs> hey, let me just say this. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do, man. Like, the nightly recap is beautiful. So keep going. Big, big fan. Appreciate, appreciate y'all. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, man. Appreciate you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. That was uh, BYU head coach Mark Pope. We appreciate him jumping on from Fog Allen Fieldhouse. He kind of looked like Jeff Goodman. We had Jeff Goodman in there um, after Kansas beat Houston on uh, one of those shows. Tyler, you remember that night. Um, all right. Let's oh, yeah. talk about the Kansas angle here, guys, because I I'm kind of torn on this, Tyler. I'm, I'm torn on – we know that Kansas is a team that doesn't really have any depth, and we know that they don't have Kevin McCullough, right? But it's very hard for me to sit here and watch them without Kevin McCullough, who's got the knee thing going on, and be worried about and, and and look at them and say, like, this is a Big 12 title contender. This is a Final Four contender. So I'm kind of stuck in between two minds, staying like, I know that they're hurt, but I just can't get out of my, my, my mind that, like, they don't look like a Kansas team that is a great Kansas team. Does that make sense? Well, they don't. Uh, and RC talked about it. Without McCuller, they're a different team. Uh, he adds a, a whole nother dynamic. He does a lot. He makes a, win a lot of winning basketball plays. Uh, but also, RC talked about it early on in the year. He talked about the lack of depth. Uh, I do, you know, I think that's an issue as well. You can't rely that heavily on four guys, especially if one of them is banged up, uh, you know, come March and April. Uh, but, you know, th this team has had some losses where I do scratch my head. And, you know, teams that, um, you know, lack depth or have injuries, uh, you know, especially to their main guys, uh, they are not the same team uh, without McCuller. Plain and simple, it's easy for me. Yeah. RC? Uh, he's their best all-around player, right? And And – it's hard for any team to miss a player because you're talking about a guy that impacts it on both ends of the floor. You know, mm -hmm. we're not talking about a guy that's just one dimensional. I mean, he's a guy you can be like, all right, lock him up. Let's slow him down. And he, he's capable of doing that, a very versatile defender. So you had another defender out there, which they needed tonight 
you know, with the shooting ability of BYU. Um, you can't replace guys like that. That's like taking, you know, a, a shed out of, out of Utah, out of Houston. You can't. I mean, there's certain guys you can't just replace. They're just too good on both ends of the floor. And when you got a, a two-way player and the impact that they make, it just changes everything. And they're not going to be the same without them. And the, the thing that I have is if he comes back and he's completely healthy, then they're back to being a dangerous team. No matter well, who you Let me ask you with. this. Do you hold him out? Like if you put yourself in Bill Self's shoes right now, do you hold him out until he actually is healthy, until maybe the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament? Because yeah, they're getting in, Absolutely. right? All they're playing Absolutely. for is seeding. Absolutely. They're in. They're in. They're in. They're just playing for seeding. I don't even see a reason to put him back out there and compromise him until he's completely healthy, right? I mean, it's it's none of these games are going to matter. If they lost out, it's just seeding. They're in. There's nothing to worry about there. If he comes back in uh, and if it's the Big 10, you know, Big 12 tournament, then fine. You put him out there. Let him get his legs under conditioning a little bit. But, uh, you know, the only thing I worry about is just he's starting to creep into that time of I'm wondering about timing, right? Like, I don't want him to be out until mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. I would love for him to get a game or two in, maybe one game with a minute restriction and then coming into the second game. And then I think he completely changes the, the expectations of Kansas. But right now, uh, I, you know, until he gets out there, we don't know when he's going to be out, when he's not. I thought he was close before, and he's still not back. So, you know, I'm done guessing or trying to figure it out. We just have to wait and see. But when he comes back, you know, obviously he'll make an impact. Yeah, he's been in and out of the lineup. And and uh, to put this loss into context, the last time that Kansas lost at home to an unranked opponent was back in 2018 when they lost to Oklahoma at home. And you can see it right there. These are the home losses to unranked teams. Uh, in in fog allen fieldhouse i do find it kind of ironic that three of the five losses at home to unranked teams are two uh programs that bill self was a former coach of um never invite tulsa into that building ever uh don't let them in don't let them see it don't let them find a way to get into the building um uh, tyler uh, let's say mcculler does come back and he is back to 95 percent of what he was before right he's still playing like the all-american is this like, – can they win? Can they get to a Final Four? Like, is this the team that is dangerous enough when you get into that uh, one-game setting? Is Bill Self and Hunter Dickinson and, and, and the talent enough for them to be able to put together two, three, four, five wins in March? Yeah, I do. I think if McCullough is healthy and he plays like himself, I, I do think that this team could go on a deep tournament run. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a big if. Uh, I don't know the severity of his injury. But if he is healthy, this is a different team. And uh, also, they showed that early on in the year when they're playing so well. Uh, so I would believe on I would believe in Kansas with McCullough for sure. That's kind of that's kind of where I'm at too. It's just I don't I don't know if I believe that they're going to get McCullough back to 100. percent That's kind of and you never know with knee injuries. That's never fun. Um, listen, we got to get to a break. On the other side, Texas Tech got smacked at home. Fans threw a bunch of bottles on the floor. Houston picked up his win for the first time as the number one team. And oh, by the way, Wake Forest, Randolph. That's coming up next. As you guys know by now, we've <laughs> partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet you can use the bonus code field 150 and you will get 150 dollars in free bets on your first wager with betmgm regardless of whether or not you win that first bet here's the best part all you need to do is deposit and bet five dollars of your hard-earned money this is how you make it work download the betmgm app and sign up using the bonus code field 150 that's field 150 deposit at least five dollars and place your first wager on any game you will receive up to 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet just make sure you use that bonus code field 150 when you sign up and remember BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today
Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Randolph Childress, Tyler Hansborough, I am Rob Dawson. We're live Series XM Channel 84. We're streaming over on the Stadium app and, of course, on YouTube and on X. Jump in the chat. Fire away with some questions that we can answer in last call. Guys, nights like tonight are why I absolutely love the sport of college basketball and why I love doing this show, Field of 68 After Dark. Um, I was coming on being like, this is going to be a, a boring night. Like, what are we going to talk about? Kentucky, Mississippi State, BYU, Kansas. Like, those aren't going to be interesting or fun games to discuss when we get on. And lo and behold, they end up both being thrillers and really, really interesting games. And we're sitting here 33 minutes into an hour-long show, and those are the only two games we talked about. So we got to get on to some of this other stuff. Uh, we'll get to Texas and Texas Tech here in just a second because that turned into what looked like kind of a rugby game. With uh, We saw a fan getting carried out by six cops in handcuffs, which is always interesting to see. But before we do, um, Houston is the new number one team in the country, Randolph. They are uh, – I think a lot of people are kind of getting hit to the fact that that, that top tier that we talked about – we talked about he, UConn and Purdue separating themselves. We talked about how they were the two best teams in college basketball than everybody else. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I think that it very much is. You got to take the number one team on Kempom. You got to take the number one team in the country. You got to take the team that is winning the Big 12 regular season championship as it stands outright right now. Like where, where do you stand on this whole Houston, UConn, Purdue debate after Houston uh, held on. They were up by 20, I think, against Cincinnati, blew the lead, uh, but it was 69, uh, 67-59 the final for Houston, despite Jamal Shedd not being able to throw a ball uh, in the ocean tonight. Where do you stand on Houston? Uh, they, they should be in the conversation, and they should have been in the conversation all year long. I, I think early on, because of the Maui Invitational and the, the early season, the scheduling that we saw uh, Purdue have, we we saw the gauntlet that they went through. And for Houston, to be quite honest, we didn't see them go through the gauntlet until they got in the conference play, and they've gone through it, and they are mm -hmm. handling business. And so uh, they're they're definitely in the conversation, and they should be. I, I think it's one of those things with them. I think you just looked at it, and people kind of – associate them with with last year's team and as i said i think they're totally different because i think this team is better on the offensive end of the floor i think they'll make a deeper run than last year's team has done uh that that did and so uh I, you know tonight they won it wasn't pretty and then, and then they were up bigger than this I, I you know watching the game they were up by 15 so i thought they took their foot off the gas a little bit you know late there kind of you know you know cincinnati started pressing them and they just were like you know dribbling across half court Few few mental errors. I think they thought the game was over. Yeah, they, they thought just it was didn't over. Didn't play as hard as they. Yeah, they didn't play as hard. This game was fifteen to seventeen points or so right there, and you know, so it wasn't an eight point game. I thought so. Um, credit to Cincinnati for continuing to finish the game and play hard. You know, they would do that for West Miller, but uh, they're they're in the conversation. I think consistently we don't we just hadn't talked about them all year long, but they but those three teams: UConn, Houston and Purdue have been the best three teams in the country. And for whatever reason, and, I, and I'm guilty of it as well, not mentioning Houston as they should and give them their flowers. They belong and they should be in that conversation. Right, Tyler, I feel like you would have thrived playing for Kelvin Sampson. Oh, my God. Just big guys yes, that are going to crash the offensive glass, throw the ball into the post, get out there and play like a junkyard dog. Not just a dog, a dog, right? We're, RC, was it me and you that were talking about what kind of dog? No, it was, uh, it was Henson that we had on here. Um, we were talking about whether or not Jeremy Kane was a dog and what kind of dog he was. I think we all know what kind of dogs they got on that Houston roster. How much would you have loved playing for this Kelvin Sanson program? Uh, I mean, they can uh, – obviously, they can win games multiple ways, and tonight they did it the ugly way defensively. Uh, game wasn't pretty. Uh, but, you know, to your point, Rob, is, uh, they had that kid, I think, uh, book out from uh, Oklahoma – when he was there, I used to like to watch him play. I, I probably didn't say his name right, uh, but uh, no, Kevin Bookout, right? Question, the big guy. Yeah, Bookout. Number yeah. thirty-four. I yeah, I used to watch him. He, like he should have been yeah. an offensive lineman for the football program, not playing power forward yeah. for the basketball team. <laughs> he, he was an absolute banger. Uh, I'm not even sure he could touch a rim, but he used to give people the work. <laughs> I used to like watching him grow up. Uh, but back to your, you know, I think Houston should be in the category with UConn and Purdue. I think they've separated themselves uh, and deserve to be, if not, you know, it, it kind of seems like they're, 
I haven't given them the credit that they deserve because uh, I didn't really believe in them early. But the more I watch them, watch them develop, uh, they're a team that is a contender for sure. And also, when you look at their record, they don't have a loss outside of a quad one team. And also, they play in the Big 12. Their strength of schedule is there. Uh, I think that they can, uh, like I said, win games multiple ways, not just with their scoring, but also with their defense. Hey, Rob, Rob and Tyler, I, I think we I think all of us felt that way because I think all of us was waiting to see how they were going to respond in this league. I, oh, I'll speak mm-hmm. for myself. I wanted to see how they were going no, to respond. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm 100%. Right? Because I, I, everything yeah. was like, oh, they're coming out of that. You know, they were the best team in that league. It was them in Memphis and – you know, all year, not much competition. And then everybody was kind of like, let's see what happens when they get to the Big 12. And they went to the Big 12 and they kicked ass and, and they're going to win the regular season title. And, and, and you know, they're going to be number one seed in that league heading into conference play. And to be honest, I think they've been impressive enough that I don't know if they could lose. It's almost like for as many games as we have left in a year, I don't know how or if UConn, Purdue, or Houston can lose the number one seed. I mean, I don't know how no, they can they, do it. They've been. They, I don't. No, you're right. They, at this point, it's going to be whoever wins the Big Twelve is probably going to get a number one seed. And I think that if you look at the way that the schedule kind of plays out at Oklahoma, at UCF, Kansas at home, there's a very real chance that uh, Houston wins at least two of three, right? And all they got to do is win two or three to get a share of the uh, the Big Twelve conference title. Um, UConn has a very winnable game on Sunday at home against Seton Hall. And if you get that done, they get a share of the Big East conference title. Um, and um, Purdue is going to win the Big Ten regular season title. Like the, the, You win those league titles and you're going to end up being a number one seed. Um, but to your point on Houston, like I, I do think that that's uh, – that is a very good point to make about why we are just coming around on something now. Like if you look at their non-conference schedule, best teams they played were Utah, Dayton, Xavier, Texas A&M. It's like not exactly a murderer's row. They get to league play. They lose two out of their first three, albeit on the road, and, and both of them are by one possession. But you're sitting there at one and two in the Big 12, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this team wasn't all that. Then you go ahead and you reel off, what is it, 11 of their last 12, and the only loss comes at Fog <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse on a night when – Kansas, who can't shoot, shot a very nice 69% from the floor. So, yeah, I think they kind of proved us wrong, and that's that's what they need to do. I, I do want to hit on one other game that happened in the Big 12 tonight, Texas and Texas Tech, um, which came very close to turning into uh, something that was pretty ugly. Um, Brock Cunningham had a beautiful form tackle. You know, I don't know if the if if the Texas football team, as they head into the SEC, is going to need to add like a middle linebacker. But I think Brock Cunningham could be a pretty good middle linebacker. That was definitely targeting that hit that he had on Darian Williams. He got ejected. Fans got mad. They started throwing stuff on the floor. Our kid got put in cuffs and carried out. Uh, and all the while, um, Texas found a way to uh, – I, honestly, I don't even know what the final store, score was. That's how bad the blowout was. They were up by 25 in the middle of the second half, and I haven't seen a box score since. Um, Tyler, are you worried at all about this Texas Tech team? Like, is this saying more to you about Texas or Texas Tech? Uh, to me, it, it, it says more about uh, Texas. Also, they went into Texas Tech, uh, so it's a great road win for them. But, uh, you know, I kind of view Texas just as, a, you know, a Max A. Smith. If he gets hot, they're going to win. Uh, but tonight, you know, obviously I think this team is growing and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not as big of a fan as tech as, you know, some people have been, uh, but, um, yeah, that's where I am with this. Randolph. Uh, I don't want to minimize this Texas, you know, when you go on a road and win in love at Texas, that's big. And they were dominant. And I know, Texas Tech made a run to make it respectable, Rob. They finished up. They cut it to 12. They tried to make it. They tried to make a run at the end, but they just dug themselves in a massive hole. Couldn't get out of it. Their backcourt couldn't buy a basket tonight. Pop Isaac and Joe Toussaint struggled. They couldn't kick it in the ocean tonight. And uh and they just weren't very good offensively. And it just you just can't overcome that against a team like Texas. Texas can score, man. They're getting healthy. They're getting everybody back. You know, they're 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 playing, they're starting to play better. Uh, you know, Ace you know, has to get, you know, he struggled the last couple of games. You know that wasn't gonna last. You know, he made a couple of shots here tonight. So if he gets going, that makes Texas that much more dangerous. Uh, but I was I was shocked to see how bad they were they were kicking Texas Tech's ass 
you know, at one point tonight. And uh, but Texas Tech fought That's back. A tough and, place to play, man. That's it a, is, it is man. Like, you don't. Many people don't go in there and put put that type of performance in there. You just don't. And 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 credit to Texas, man. I mean, as much as you know, I, I say Texas Tech struggled. It, it's credit to Texas. I mean, they they like you said, many teams don't go in there and put an ass kicking in there on Texas Tech like that. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the two, right? Like we know that Texas Tech is a good team. We know that they are a good program. We know they have a tough home court environment. And we know that there are some very valid questions about how good this Texas program actually is and how good Ronnie Terry has them at this point in the season. When you go on the road in this league and you win the way that they won, there's nothing else that you can say about it other than that was that was an ass kicking. That's impressive. That is a performance. That yep. is something you got to remember. And uh, if anything, it is a wake up call for great Grant McCaslin and his program. But I do think it's now interesting. You look at Texas; they get Oklahoma at home. Uh, they get Oklahoma State at home on Saturday. They're at Baylor. That might not be a win, but then they get Oklahoma at home, and all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where they get to 500 in the Big 12, and you could get all the way up to like an eight nine. See kind of line if you're Texas here um, in the NCAA tournament. RC, do you think they have a chance to make a run? Are they dangerous at all? Can they get back to the Elite Eight with this group? I, I don't know if they can get back into the Elite Eight, but I think they, they're they capable. Of that. I think for them to get in the Elite Eight, it would be uh, Asimus has to play well. I think he has to be at the, mm-hmm. at the top of his game. They need him. You know, he can't be in – the slump has to be over. He's got to be really efficient. Uh, so if he's leading the way offensively and making shots, then I think they don't have a shot. Yep. Um, Max Aismas has uh, has taken teams on runs before. He took an Oral Roberts program to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. He can definitely do it with Texas. Tyler, coming up next, it's that moment. We get to do it. We get to talk to Randolph Childress about his way for his Demon Deacons and their loss at Notre Dame tonight. In all seriousness, that's a tough one. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Now that the college football season is in the past and college basketball is in full swing, I need to tell you guys about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm, the place for data-backed props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks. Backed by AI predictive models, Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly college hoops, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play, many of which have softer lines at BetMGM than you'll find in the NFL or in the NBA. With Rhythm, you get data-backed picks for every Division I game every day. Users get free picks daily with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build custom sports betting models within the Rhythm app itself. I am a Rhythm user, and I found that I've been a better better when I focus on the lines where my gut and Rhythm's modeling are aligned. To kick off the partnership between the Field of 68 and the Rhythm, three people who download Rhythm at the link below and create an account between now and the end of the day on Thursday will be entered for a chance to win a free subscription with access to unlimited picks for college basketball, the NBA, the NFL, and more. So if you want to increase your edge and win more bets, go to the link in the description and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H. MM, the place for data-backed props and picks. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doster, Randolph Childress, Tyler Hansborough. We're live, SiriusXM, Channel 84. We're streaming over on the Stadium app. Make sure you go and you download that new app. Uh, we will be there uh, exclusively coming up here soon um, for our last call shows. Uh, 13 minutes away, last call. Um, hit, get your questions in the chat, fire away, and we will answer them uh, in last call on stadium. All right, Randolph, it was a tough one, man. Notre Dame 70, Wake Forest 65, after it looked like your Demon Deacons had found a way to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know you don't have that bottle of scotch in front of you, but uh, I'm just going to I'm going to give you your chance to say your piece, say what you got to say, and, and hopefully we can all kind of mourn together here. I don't know what to say. I, I was, I was worried about it. You know, I said this to you yesterday. I was worried about the Deeks on the road at Notre Dame, and I think I jinxed it. You know, you know, picking on their football team, and and the thing that bothered me about that though is, you know, I didn't say they were horrible. 
I'm not even going and explaining myself with them. I don't care what the football fans say right now. Basically, what you said was that Indiana basketball is kind of like Notre Dame football, and Notre Dame football fans took that as the biggest slight in the world, which is hilarious to me because Indiana has not been that bad. No, that's what I'm saying. They act like, first of all, one won the Natty in 87, and last in 87, and then they won the last Natty in 88. So stop acting like one was so significant. Like, never mind. We ain't getting into all that. We're talking about my Deeks right now. I think I jinxed them <laughs> because I was talking about Notre Dame football, and we just so happily had to go on the road to play Notre Dame. So, Coach Forbes, I'm sorry, man. I I, I jinxed us. I, I threw us off tonight with that picking on Florida State. I mean, uh, Notre Dame's football team. So I, I don't know what to say, man. That was a tough one tonight. I, you know, I thought that I knew it would be tough. I had just covered Notre Dame. I think they're the best defensive team in the league. I think they're physical. I think they're the most physical defensive team in the league. And if Wake isn't making shots, uh, they struggle. And they struggle from the three-point line. And it's just, a for whatever reason, it's just a massive difference in the, the Wake Forest team at home and then on the road. And I don't know if anyone can figure it out. I know Coach Forbes hadn't figured it out yet because he would have done something by now. Uh, and they're right there. They're, all of their games are just like this on the road. They play good enough. Uh, to play on the level of their opponent and, and just at the end, they don't make enough plays to, to, to close it out. Yeah, it's tough. Um, Tyler, the good news is if you're a Wake Forest fan like Randolph Childress, uh, this loss should probably bump up to a quad two loss once the ratings adjust because Notre Dame is 140 on the road, 135 is a cutoff for quad twos. Um, you can see what their, their, their resume looks like um, right there. And you have – Two more quad one opportunities left on the schedule. You play at Virginia Tech, and you get uh, Clemson at home here in their last three games. Uh, it's it's not something that the, the the committee takes into account. But, Tyler, when you watch this team, you've played a lot of tournament games in your life. When you watch this team, are they tournament good? Can they make a run if they can find a way to get into the dance? It depends on what you mean by run. I mean, I, I think they can get into a tournament and win a couple games. And also, I do think Wake is a tournament team. Uh, like you just said about the resume, they have no quad three or quad four losses. Coming in tonight, into tonight at Notre Dame, which will probably end up being a quad two, so it's not as bad as it looks or sounds right now. But also, they have the Hunter Silas kid who can get you a bucket. He is a big-time player. And so, anytime you have a guy like him, uh, I do believe that you can win games in the tournament because he can get you a bucket. It just uh, – and I I do think that Coach Forbes has done a great job this year. And so, uh, you know, getting this team to buy in defensively uh, and if Hunter can get hot, then I think they're very capable of winning a couple games in the tournament, which I do consider Wake Forest a tournament team. Yeah, and, and you know, if I, we're not supposed to root for, for people in this business, but I, I do root for Steve Forbes, who has been through a lot over the course of the last six months uh, on the court and off the court with the health of some of uh, his family members and his loved ones. So hopefully they can find a way to win two of these last three or all three and get in the dance and, and kind of uh, have that reward and that payoff for his family that they can enjoy together. Um, Randolph? I do want to hit you real quick on on Pitt and Clemson because Clemson landed a um, a win over Pitt at home. It was a come from behind win, uh, which I think this probably more or less puts the uh, the nail in the coffin for Pitt's NCAA tournament chances. But I do want to ask you about Clemson because I feel like we we keep overlooking this group, right? And part of it is because they had their struggles in the ACC. But they got a dude that's an all-American caliber player in P.J. Hall. We all here have talked about how much we love Ian Shefflin, right? And they got guards that can score and guards that can make plays. Um, they're dancing, right? For them, it just depends right. on how high can you get that seed to be. How dangerous is Clemson when they can get into the tournament? i say this to you, and I don't want to put it on, on – you mentioned those players, and all those guys are good. I think if Chase Hunter can play – the way he played tonight, he hit a dagger tonight to to win that game. Necessarily hit a three, that was the nail in the coffin that, that kind of elevated him to the win. If he can be consistent and play at the level, I think that his talent suggests that he can play. Then look out because I think he, I think this Clemson team has everything that they need to play any different style. They have versatility within their offense as well, mm -hmm. uh, with size, bigs that can stretch the floor. 
They they they've I've seen them play inverted where their guards are playing, you know, living in the paint, finishing. They're spacing you with their bigs, shooting jump shots with their bigs, and they they're getting they're healthy as well too. Getting Jack Clark back, getting him implemented in the offense, and getting him going is big. So uh, they're they've just been a team that's been frustrating at times because they'll they'll go get a big win and then they'll go home and then lose the game at home. They've struggled to protect their home court so, you know, so many different times. You're like, what in the world? Uh, tonight they did. Pitt came in in the game fighting for their life. If Pitt gets that, I think Pitt was, would have been the possibly 16 that could make a run and get into the tournament. So difficult win for them. I think this is this forced Pitts to kind of have to make a run in D.C. But Clemson is tough, man, and, and, uh, and, and they're still not out of it. They're still playing for a lot because they still get to play Wake for that fourth uh, – spot to get that uh double buy in the ACC tournament yeah that'll be big if they can get the double buy um I want to pivot here because we it, we're, we're talking about Miami uh, we're talking about Miami. we're talking about Indiana and it's the first time that we're talking about Indiana in a positive sense in like three months on this show right they beat Wisconsin at home despite the fact that there was some kind of fire alarm pulled and they had to evacuate the entire building everybody in assembly hall had to get out and leave in the middle of a tornado warning and then come back into the building for uh, still as far as I know undisclosed reason for why that it happened um I want to know Tyler why why don't we see more of this from Indiana right like you know here's here's my big question with you now, we talked about this, Randolph, the other day. Like, where do you view Indiana right now as a program? Right, obviously, North Carolina, um, Duke, Kansas, like the Kentucky, the teams at that level. I think you could probably put UConn in the mix right now. I've kind of separated themselves. Where do you view Indiana in that kind of hierarchy of college basketball? I don't view them in the same category, and that's not a knock to Indiana. They haven't done it lately, uh, and uh, you know it's. Um, I think uh, Woodson's a, a good coach. I think he's an NBA coach. You know, he's you know much better coach than I could ever dream of being. But uh, I will say that T.O. came on here. I was on a show with him maybe a week or so ago, and he said that he feels like they're kind of like NC State. They won a national championship years ago, and all of a sudden they haven't really been the same since. And he kind of considers them in that category. And I thought it was a good analogy because it made a lot of sense to me. And I've uh, I've talked about Indiana on here a few times, and I start laughing because I can't remember the last time they were actually really good <laughs> in a contender. And, uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at with them. I don't really put them in the same category as uh, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and, uh, you know, Kansas, uh, UConn, uh, as those schools. Yeah, Randolph, I, I do just real quick. Um, we got about a minute before we get to toast tonight, but I, I, I want I want you to react to this quote from from Mike Woodson tonight because I have uh, I've said similar um, to what he kind of said in this quote after the game. Uh, this is according to R. Jeff Goodman, who was actually at that game. Uh, Woodson said, "Quote: Every day I go to bed, I think about what it could have been like this year if we had Xavier Johnson early on. Xavier Johnson obviously came back." Uh, tonight for the first time since January 30th. It was only his 15th game of the season. He's missed 13. Is that is that a valid excuse for some of the struggles that Indiana has had this year? I, you know what? We can never discount the value of of a, of a veteran guard. What is what is Xavier Johnson? A six year guard? You know he, he's yeah. a, you know and, he's and, and you power. can't. I'm and Tyler on the same recruiting. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we joke about it, but seriously, you can never discount the the uh, leadership. And one thing about Xavier John, say what we want. He's a he's a load in full court. He can heat up the ball and when he wants to, and he has an extra gear about him. And and you know, he's he's hasn't been a consistent shooter, but he does a lot of really good things to help you win. Um, so anybody would would say that and can use a veteran uh, point guard and it's like we talked about this before rob it's not just him it can be who else they missed out on him coming back yes. to school so getting that, that guy that's it right uh, and, and, yeah and not having that guy available when you are missing out and turned down so much it's just vital man and and back to your earlier quote the reason they emptied out the building is because jeff goodman was in there they ran everybody <laughs> ass out of there because jeff was in the building somebody pulled the yes. alarm when they saw his ass 
the wa- the water wasn't working at the graduate hotel and and uh he didn't have his soap with him so he just kind of you know so he goes like three or four days out of shower sometimes so it, it got a little smelly in there listen you're exactly right Zave, not having xavier johnson uh hurts and having him is the reason they couldn't build enough point guard play around him it's not a lot of depth anywhere in college basketball listen we are going to head over to last call so make sure you check the link in the description download that stadium app come over and join us we are going to be asking randolph children's and tyler hansborough any questions that you ask us come over join the ride last call <laughs> 